0: This podcast is focused on educating operators, building better systems, and becoming a best-in-class operator. Be sure to join our Facebook group, Asset Management Mastery, where we have a great community of thousands of like-minded individuals sharing resources and best practices.
1: Choosing the right insurance coverage for multifamily properties isn't that complicated if you know who to talk to. At the Garzella Group, we're uniquely qualified to help you navigate the range of policy choices you have, and we're committed to saving you 30% in the process. We do intensive market research and have nationwide relationships, so we can find coverage other insurance brokers simply can't. We should talk. Go to Quotenow.biz, and we'll start the conversation.
0: Today on the podcast, we have my friend Kay Trevor-Thompson. Trevor was a successful VP with 47-plus years in the attractions and entertainment industry, spent the last 20 years working for iFly Indoor Skydiving, helping it grow from 1 to 80 locations worldwide, has invested in 17 deals as an LP, and most recently, a GP on a 240-unit in San Antonio. Trevor, welcome. Can you start by telling the listeners a little bit more about yourself and what you do? Yeah, so I've switched now once... Unfortunately,
1: with COVID, iFly let me go, and I decided that this old man didn't want to go work for somebody younger than him and uh, the amount of energy he'd have to put in to start, in theory, another career. And I was always fascinated with real estate investing, so I decided to go from passive to active and you know, go ahead and apply myself full-time in it. Super glad I did. It's a little tough in the hot market to get too many deals going, but I'm being very patient and feel it was a really good decision for
0: me. Excellent. And I find people that were successful in business are the ones that are most successful in real estate. They just apply that same skill set and you know it's just a natural flow to into multifamily.
1: Yeah, I definitely agree. And you know, I like a lot of people started single family and things. I did none of that. I went straight to it, you know, to me. Doing single family felt like I was getting another job and multifamily felt like I was starting a business. And that's what really appealed to me. And, you know, I've always enjoyed taking over businesses, running businesses, opening businesses. And that's all asset management is for multifamily,
0: taking a business, making improvements, increasing the value of it. And that's what I love to do. Awesome, awesome. Well, today we're going to talk about a limited partner horror story. You've invested in seventeen deals, and one deal didn't go exactly as you had planned. So, tell us a little backstory: how you got involved in that deal from the very beginning. You know what intrigued you about that investment?
1: Yeah, so I joined up with a local mentoring program here in Texas. So I'm not going to talk about who they are, but I joined up, you know, because I was new, I was learning. I really wanted to invest with people that I'd become i knew i became familiar with and so this was one of the very first deals that came out after i joined the group i was very eager to get into a deal and to be honest i didn't even though i knew some stuff i really didn't know what to look for things that are now like second nature for me to look for but you know are they under capitalized Did they do a new, especially in Texas, did they compensate for what the new tax rate is going to be, you know, insurance, all of those little things. I didn't know to dig deep enough into it. And, you know, I just invested. I put my money into the deal and it was two hours away. I should have driven and looked at the deal. You know, now at least I get on Google Earth and drive around if I can't get to it physically. And I just, I didn't know enough to do that. And, you know, but I put my money in and I was all excited. And I'll be honest, the first few reports were positive. We made a little bit of money at the beginning. And I was like, oh, you know, this is it. And I'm in the big leagues, you know. And to be honest, I started thinking I'm not learning anything. And so I said, you know, hey, this is supposed to be a mentoring program, but I'm not really learning anything. You know, I go to a 30 minute call every three months and you tell me some stuff and I'm not learning. Is there any way I can learn? And, you know, I'm just fascinated with learning. They said, well, could you help us with some of the asset management? And I went, oh, that's exactly what I want to do. I'm very interested in that. So, yeah, definitely. And they said, okay, well, we have an asset manager. He's overstretched. So all we really need you to do is just help push things along. We need somebody that can go to the site more regularly. So I thought, oh, this is fantastic. Got in the car, drove there early, got out of the car and went, oh, my goodness, What have I invested in? Like, do I need a gun? You know, it was really rough and looked at the cars in the parking lot and sort of started walking around and thought, okay, all right, well, don't worry. This is going to be perfect because you can help turn this project around and spent the day with him. And, you know, he told me these are things we're going to look for. These are the things we need to do. So being the sort of crazy guy that I am. I like to dig right in. So I'm like, okay, I took a bunch of asset management training from Gary. I'm really smart here. Now let me think of some stuff. So, you know, I went in, I did a lease audit and I'm like, well, hold on a minute. We're supposed to be 91% occupied, but there's 10 units with nobody in them. And they're still showing as occupied. Oh, well, we were told to do that by the general partners so that we would look stabilized. Well, okay, well, that sounds, so write that note down and rummaging through a drawer and here's a drawer of invoices. These are like two months old. Have they just not been filed? And I've been, oh, no, we got to stay on budget. So we're not paying. I'm like, well, I think you've already kind of off budget if, if you've already spent the money and just started doing these things. And then, so I thought, well, this is really crazy. So I got in my car with all my stuff I learned and said, I just want to make sure what you want from me. like. Do you want me to lie to you? You want the truth about what the property really is? Oh, no, we want the truth. And so I told them all the truth. Then about a week later, that energy was gone. And they said, don't worry, Trevor, you're doing such a great job. You go ahead and run it. So I'm like, OK, it was a little more than I thought I bargained for. And then about three weeks after that, they were looking for someone else to blame for all of the new things we found. So they said, well, we're going to fire the property management company. but Don't worry, we'll support you. So you have to remember, this is a deep value add that's run out of money, that's trying to reposition itself from basically, you know, drug central with gangbanger fights in the parking lots, uh, police on the property every day, you know, but don't worry, we'll help you out. Well, there wasn't much help you out.
0: (laughs) So I want to jump in here. So you made a lot of good points of this asset manager. Was he a GP on the deal or was he just someone... He was an employee of the GP. Okay. And he was stretched thin because they had how many properties they were managing? They had 11 properties spread
1: over all of Central Texas. And each one of them had, you know, its own series of problems
0: with it. Uh, that's a problem with a lot of syndicators out there. I mean, there's a lot of good operators out there, but then there's a lot of operators that just don't take asset management seriously. That's unbelievable. And I'm glad that Right from the beginning, you know, talking to you, you know, you really latched onto it, and it's obviously a strong skill set of yours. But so many people like just focus on getting deals and having a social media presence, and people invest in them. And I've made the same mistake you did, you know, when I started as well. I thought this person had a good reputation and and was well known, and I invested in this person and. We actually just sold it recently and I did okay just because of the market and whatnot, but man, we were struggling for a while. So yeah, it's so critical investors out there, you're listening to the show, make sure whoever you're investing with, if they're not doing the asset management themselves, that they have a strong team behind them that can help because it's critical. It's not just the purchase. It's all the stuff that goes behind the scenes. Yeah, And finding invoices in the drawer, that happens even when you're not trying to hide things. Because we found that too with some of our property managers. And we're not, you know, just because we're over budget or whatever, um, we'll happily pay them because we have plenty of reserves. But I mean, it's crazy how many times you find, when you start digging, you find things. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And then just tons of deferred maintenance you know, just in general and apathetic, you know, because the team members there were frustrated too, right? You know, because again, this whole concept of looking for somebody to blame versus taking responsibility and plotting a path out, right? So, you know, once I got involved, I'm like, okay, let's make a plan that we can do this together to turn around the property. I admit this is my first time. I'm a little bit green. But I understand turning a business around. I understand if you're going to ask somebody to pay you rent, you need to fix the things in their apartment that aren't working. You need to provide a nice, safe place to live. And to be honest, we started making some great progress. And then, of course, COVID hit and it completely derailed us, right? You know, because this was real workforce housing. These people were greeters at Applebee's. And Applebee's closed down. They were dishwashers. They all closed down. And, you know, they just had nothing left. And there was a real mixture of people that I'm going to call trying and other ones who made no effort to pay their rent. You know, I remember when the relief checks came. I thought, okay, the relief checks are coming. We're going to have some people catch up on the rent. And I showed up that Monday morning. And there were 27 big screen TV boxes in the dumpster and nobody coming in to pay the rent. And I'm like, man, you got to understand who is your tenant base. And, you know, then we started trying to really be proactive. Like we actually went to food banks and stood in line and collected food and brought it back and had like where residents basically was come and pay your rent and pick up some free food. You know, just because we knew they couldn't buy food and pay rent. I got it. You know, that was who we had as tenants and, you know, it was
0: very challenging to say the least and somewhat frustrating. First of all, you gave them some direction, your team, because obviously they were lacking direction. They weren't getting anything. So that helped quite a bit. And then you came up with solutions, providing, you know, going to the food bank and other things for the residents, which is so critical. So obviously this kind of delved, it got, you know, even worse. There was a stabbing and whatnot. Talk about that.
1: Yeah. So I get a message about 11 o'clock at night, a clip to a news and I read it and it's a stabbing. And at our property, they show the sign for like 10 seconds of the newscast. And here we are trying to reposition ourselves as this new safe place. And I'm like, oh, this is going to be awful. So Monday morning, I get to the office first thing in the morning, and I'm there waiting for this big follow, right? Tenants coming and complaining. And the strangest thing was six tenants came in and said, I'm glad somebody finally stabbed that. And I won't say what they called her. And then the lady who did the stabbing came in and she was like, I'm so sorry, but this lady, she just pushes everybody's buttons. She brought us cookies and we ended up evicting the lady who got stabbed because she had all kinds of write-ups against her. She was super disruptive in the property, in the community. And when we finally got her out, you know, people came by and said, oh, I'm so glad that lady's gone. And she was such a troublemaker. But it's like, you just never know what you're going to get, right? You just never know what you're going to get. And of course... You know, I was worried because we were really trying to build our image from a place that was really rough to safe and we care about you. And, you know, we had a guy in there that was a drug dealer. It was positive he was a drug dealer. Day and night traffic coming through to the place. And he wasn't even supposed to be in the unit. He was somebody's brother of somebody else who was, you know, and we got affidavits from the actual tenant who was no longer living there that this person should not be in the apartment. And it was a nightmare trying to evict them, right? Because of the COVID. And then they would evict, they would come and arrest them, take them and then release them because of COVID in the prisons. And they actually threatened to kill us all. And we had armed security for three weeks that would meet the girls when they drove into work in the morning, walked into the office and sit in the office all day till they left. I mean, it was bizarre. You know, this person could intimidate, you know, decent, hardworking people. We finally did get them out. And they must have left something in the apartment because about three days later, somebody broke into the apartment (laughs) and they must have had left something in there. And you want to talk about a trash department? Painted it purple and black. It took four coats of cover to be able to repaint the walls beige. He always was beating up his girlfriend and the bathroom door not only broken, the entire jam ripped out of the wall and lying in the tub. It was like insane and they took the appliances there were no appliances left they actually like moved the fridge and a stove out of the unit and of course no recourse of any kind and you know luckily we got the apartment fixed back up and cleaned up and re-rented to a nice couple and uh, but yeah it's really i'll tell you too all the things i learned I learned when I did your asset training course, you know, when people would talk about, oh, we did this for our residents. I'm like, oh, that's a good idea. I'm going to do that. So, you know, the information is out there, how to take care of this stuff. If you really pay attention to it. And, you know, I've joined all of your classes and all of your courses and, you know, really absorbed it all. And you put it into practice and it works. It really, truly does work. Now, unfortunately, we reached a point where, The GP wanted to put the property up for sale. And after we cleaned all the bad people out, wanted us to lower our standards so we could be fully occupied to get a better sales price. And I just wasn't going to do that. So that was the end. And that deal didn't go through because as soon as you do due diligence, the truth comes out, right? Who's in the units? Who's not in the units? How many down units do you have? Then eventually it did go under contract. and By the time he'd alienated... All the team members and fired them. He was running the property on temp labor for six months and ended up with an $820,000 retrade at closing, which in theory was all of our profits because he just, you know, so here you are in the hottest real estate market in the hottest state and you break even. Very disappointing.
0: Yeah, it's too bad. You know, it comes down to integrity and this team, you know, lacked integrity and, you know, kudos for you to come on board and, you know, try to instill some professionalism yeah. in that group. And yeah, that's uh, I couldn't have bought the training I got. So at the end of the day, you
1: know, I got my money's worth because I learned some, I was 10 months I did 12,780 miles. I kept track of it, driving back and forth to San Antonio to do it. But at the end of the day, you know, I was really discouraged. And then as I sort of thought it through, I thought, man, what the learning lesson that I had of what you could do in work and what you shouldn't do and why you shouldn't do it and what happens if you're not paying attention or if you don't have the right numbers, right? I mean, they spent a whole pile of money trying to change the back entrance to the main entrance so they could rebrand themselves, and so they did like a hundred thousand dollars of landscaping on a road that nobody drove on, just not thinking it through, right? Not one person came in the back gate; only the people that lived there used the back gate. The front is where everybody came, so you didn't fool anybody, and all that money should have went to you know plumbing
0: and landscaping and pools and apartment upgrades and it didn't. So if you can give advice to an LP investor out there, one of the telltale signs maybe you missed, I don't know, if you did miss anything, what would it be so that they don't have to go through the same
1: thing? Yeah, so really understanding some of the basic underwriting fundamentals, like how much CapEx should you have for a deep value add? You know, what should you be doing when you look at the tax base? You know, so when they went in, they budgeted 65%. They should have budgeted 95, whatever, you know, and they got caught up in the tax and then that started to eat the money. And you just add up all these things and you run out of CapEx because you spend it in the wrong places. At the end of the day, when you run out of CapEx, now you're trying to renovate out of cash flow and the cash flow is what you're supposed to be sharing with your investors. And so, you know, really look at that and then really look at where an apartment is. You know, this was buried deep in a pretty rough neighborhood. And so you got no advantage of drive by traffic. You couldn't really change the reputation because everybody lived in that neighborhood for years. And you know when somebody would get robbed, we would go to the four crack houses down the street looking to see if you could find it. You know it was just that kind of neighborhood. So again, you know, we didn't lose our money, so that's a you know good thing. You know, the general partner did, You know, he claims he took a pretty big hit at the end himself to make everybody whole. So appreciate that they did that. But we all could have come out
0: much better if we had a better
1: plan and just a better way to do the project.
0: Well, we asked this question of all of our guests. What is your asset management superpower? You know, so I think mine is I love incremental improvements. A
1: lot of people aren't excited by incremental improvements, but I'm bizarre. I'm so excited. Like, you know, my thing I used say is listen, if we could just do one thing a little bit better tomorrow, what would it be? And, you know, my theory always is right. If you can do that every day, you're doing 365 things better. You know, it's just, that's my superpower. Just being obsessed with
0: getting the little things better because they all add up to be really big things when
1: you compound
0: them. Absolutely. I love it. Kaizen. So thank you, Trevor, for coming on the show and openly sharing your limited partner horror story. Hopefully it taught others what to look out for so they don't make the same mistakes. Please tell the listeners where they can find out more about you. Yeah, so you can reach me. My website is
1: niagara-investments.com. And that's because I'm from Niagara Falls, Canada originally. And my email is ktt at niagara-investments.com, or I'm very active on LinkedIn and Facebook. And I want to thank Gary before I go, because Gary has been my mentor for asset management. And you know it's been so incredible that I feel like I've learned so much between You know, the lessons I've gotten and the practical experiences and the conversations. I'm also a happy passive investor of Gary's. And so, you know, but more people need to talk about this. This is, in my mind, the biggest missing thing in most people's multifamily plans is having strong asset management, looking out. Nobody watches your dollar like you do and making sure that when you invest in the deal, there is somebody there. Who's watching every
0: dollar coming in and going out. Absolutely. Well said. Well said. And I appreciate your tremendous thirst for learning. I see you everywhere trying to capture as much information as you can. So it's awesome. Yeah. Well, thanks again, Trevor, for coming on the show. I'm signing off. I'll be back next week with another informative episode on the Real Estate Asset Management Podcast. Thank you. To all of our listeners, thanks for joining us. And if you like this episode, please head over to iTunes or Stitcher and like, subscribe and review this podcast as it will help us grow our audience and reach more people. And if you'd like to learn more about what we do at Break of Day Capital, head over to our website, breakofdaycapital.com and sign up for our newsletter and or fill out our investor application. We'll talk to you next week.